0: You're listening to the Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. I'm Garrett Ashley Mullet, and I want to talk about everything. Back to the Garrett Ashley Mullet Show. This is, of course, Garrett Ashley Mullet coming to you from Greeley, Colorado for episode 545 of this podcast. Today is January 25th, 2023. And in this episode, we're going to be talking about Mark Marano's book, The Great Reset, and how it makes me very uncomfortable, not because it seems untrue or it seems like he is making things up, but because it's really really hard to get around the quotes and the stats and the timeline that he lays out. Also, too, we're going to go through some current events items before we get into the book, including where some women are going to husband shop, giving up on dating, giving up on dating apps. Where are they going? Where are they looking for a potential husband? And we'll talk a little bit about what's going on In the House of Representatives, now that the Republicans have the majority there, some updates with regards to Google and critical race theory being taught in colleges here in the U.S., plus the ongoing conflict with Russia and the Ukraine and how countries like the United States are engaging on that front. And then, too, why not? Why not talk about bugs and how bug powder is going to be put into the food supply for Europeans, thanks to the EU and a recent decision that was announced on that front. But first, before we get into any of that, with regards to current events, with regards to Mark Morano's book, let's go to God's word, and I want to read for you from Acts chapter 4 specifically verses 23 through 31 in the English Standard Version. And I quote, When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Amen. Now it's interesting. I want to pull a few things out here in case they have escaped your notice to this point. (laughs) What had happened right before this selection of Acts chapter 4 is that Peter and John were dragged before the council. They were in trouble, specifically because they were spreading the gospel they were they were spreading the gospel and that was upsetting if you skip back up above in acts chapter 4 looking at verse 7 they're asked the question by what power or by what name did you do this now what is this well let's look back at acts chapter 3 there's a lame beggar who is healed Why do you wonder at this, or why do you stare at us, as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the Holy and Righteous One and asked for a murderer to be granted to you, and you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead, to this we are witnesses. And his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled, repent therefore and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, And all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those who came after him also proclaimed these days, You are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, And in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. And as they were speaking to all the people, the priests said, And the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them greatly annoyed, because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to be about five thousand. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. For all were praising God for what had happened, for the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. Amen. So we see there, right? this is the lead-in. This is the lead-in for the believers praying for boldness and for the believers citing the Psalm of David concerning why the nations rage, why the people's plot in vain, why the kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. They cite in Psalms where David talks about this and they pray for boldness. They've been commanded and threatened <laughs> against speaking or acting in Jesus' name. And it's so interesting because they cannot deny it. They cannot deny what's been done. But even the fact that they bring it up is to say that they would like to. They wish they could. They thought about it. Can't do that. Very, very interesting to consider. And not just in the abstract. When Peter and John address the crowd, they are citing Herod and Pontius Pilate. When they gather together, when the believers in Jesus, gathered together after this whole tumult at the temple, they specifically name Herod and Pontius Pilate as being guilty. When the family of the high priest calls them to account, what are you doing? By what name? In what authority do you presume to cause a stir and be disruptive? Peter and John. In boldness, not only tell them in Jesus' name, but they also are willing to be specific that you crucified Jesus. You. You did. And we're calling you to repentance. We could learn a thing or two about that in our day here in the American church. But moving on, let's talk through some current events items, starting off with. A report from Amanda Harding over at The Daily Wire. Jesse James Decker says Eric Decker refuses to get a vasectomy because it takes his manhood away. I was somewhat amused in reading through this article today that she wants her husband to get a vasectomy. They have three children, but she doesn't really want to have more children. And he might not necessarily want to have more children just yet, but he also doesn't want to get a vasectomy because there is something emasculating about it. And I would agree with him. I think he's in the right, and she should not be talking about her husband needing to get a vasectomy or not getting a vasectomy in public. I think that's not dignified. It's none of our business. I bring it up to say that it is our business now that she's gone there, but I think it's not any of our business That she wants him to, and that frankly, it's somewhat emasculating for her to even say that she wants her husband to get a vasectomy. I think that's unfortunate. I think the pressuring of her husband, former NFL star, publicly doing an interview, I think that's not so good. That's my take. But it is curious. If I consider this story alongside some reporting by Courtney Wheel over at The Blaze, The title of the article is How Doers Get More Done. Female TikTok users ditch dating apps, go husband hunting at Home Depot. I'll throw a link in the description for this podcast episode. You can go read the fuller account. But let's just say this has been a growing trend over the past couple of years that single women are not just looking for some guy to ask them out, but they are looking for husband material at Home Depot. And isn't that funny? What good is a home if you don't have a family? (laughs) home is where your family is. And if you're some single gal and this is some single guy, in order to have a home and have a complete home, you really should probably get married and have some kids and maybe not push the whole vasectomy thing. Just saying. But it's amusing that Women are saying, you know what, the dating apps, that thing's just not working out. If I really want to get the measure of whether a man would make a good husband, I'm going to go and look at the men who are at Home Depot to do work with their hands. They're, They're going to do work. They are not afraid to roll up their sleeves and fix something that's broken in the house that they live in or improve or build a house. They obviously have a little bit of money or else they wouldn't be here, presumably, and they're not afraid of hard work. And that's what is needed in order to make a house into a home or fill a home with a family. It takes hard work. It's going to require strength and assertiveness and confidence. And where are these... Single ladies not going? Well, they're not going to GameStop. They're they're not (laughs) hunting for husbands at GameStop. Not that I have a complaint against uh, GameStop per se necessarily. Like we should never go there. I like playing computer games. I like playing video games. But this is a wise choice that single women would say, I'm going to go look at Home Depot and not GameStop. For that matter, too, they are not going to Walmart. So it's not just anybody will do, any guy who's got enough money to go out and buy anything. No, specifically the men who are going to go to the hardware store and be buying building materials and tools and hardware. And that's where we're going to find the men who not only have means, but they have a work ethic and they're capable. So that's funny. Speaking of home buyers, Nerd Wallet published a piece over at the Denver Post. Home buyers hoping to spend $200,000 this year face disappointing reality check. And there's a little graph here I'm looking at showing nationwide median home sales prices from 2016 to 2022. Median home sale prices in 2016, just six to seven years ago. We're coming up on seven years ago, but not that long ago. They were $200,000 and now they're not. Now they've dipped, they've dipped, but we're still in the $340,000 range down from 360, which is, for those of you who are good at math, about double, just about double what they were six or seven years ago. And uh, I'll be honest, as a husband... As a father of eight, seven boys in particular, it is one of my great frustrations right now that we are renting still. You know, Half of this time in which median home sale prices in the U.S. have nearly doubled, we have lived here in Colorado. We did own a home in Sydney, Montana, and we sold it, and we were hoping to buy a house here. And it's not just homes that have gotten more expensive. Yes, home sale prices maybe have gone down a little bit, but that's because everything else has gone up so much that home sellers are desperate to unload properties so that they can move on to doing something else. This is not okay. This is not cool. It's not cool. That everything has gotten more expensive, including homes, is not cool. And the government, our government here in the US, needs to stop spending money that we don't have, spending yours and my money, or devaluing our currency, they need to stop doing that. And they need to stop regulating the economy in such a way that disincentivizes economic growth. They also need to stop incentivizing people to not work, both end. And we'll get into this here in a little bit in talking through Mark Marano's The Great Reset. There are bigger reasons It's not that the folks making the decisions in our government right now here in the US and around the world, particularly in Davos, Switzerland, it's not that they don't know what they're doing. They know exactly what they're doing and they're doing it because they have a, ends justify the means, rationale. And they have ambitions. But you and I, if we are heads of households, if we are responsible men, if we lead families or we hope to lead families someday, we have to pay attention. We also have to be clear about what our goals are and we have to be willing to work hard to pursue, to achieve, and to protect those goals. Frankly, the reality check with regards to the median price of homes for sale in the US, the reality check is that this is entirely driven by politics. The economy is not a free market economy. It needs to be a free market economy. And we've got to go after the corrupt politicians and bureaucrats and megalomaniacs in our government here in the United States of America, if we want this to change. You don't want it to change? Well, just complain about it. (sighs) But it's not enough to complain. We're going to have to do something about it. We, We just are. Moving on, speaking of the House of Representatives and doing something about it, not enough necessarily just yet, but hopefully we're off to a good start with the new Republican majority in the U.S. Congress and the House of Representatives. I'm going to play a little clip for you of House Speaker Kevin McCarthy. Joel Abbott over at Not the Bee shared a tweet from C SPAN and this clip is a reporter asking McCarthy a question concerning Eric Swalwell, congressman from California, in particular, and Adam Schiff, congressman from California, being removed from the House Intel Committee by Kevin McCarthy, congressman and speaker of the House from California. So it's all it's all California. It's California all the way down apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Both sides of the aisle. But here is Kevin McCarthy being asked a question about his decision to remove Schiff and Swalwell from the House Intel Committee, and here's his answer. Take a listen.
1: Intel Committee. Is, is Santos on the Intel Committee? Am I, allowing Schiff, am I allowing Schiff to be on other committees? Go right ahead. well let me be very he's got elected by his district so okay let, let me be very clear and respectful to you you ask me a question when I answer it it's the answer to your question you don't get to determine whether I answer your question or not okay in all respect thank you no no let's answer her question You just raised a question, I'm gonna be very clear with you. The Intel Committee is different. You know why? Because what happens in the Intel Committee, you don't know. What happens in the Intel Committee, although the secrets are going on in the world, other members of Congress don't know. What did Adam Schiff do as the chairman of the Intel Committee? What Adam Schiff did, use his power as a chairman and lie to the American public. Even the inspector general said it. When Devin Nunes put out a memo, he said it was false. When we had a laptop, he used it before an election to be politics and say that it was false and said it was the Russians. When he knew different, when he knew the intel, if you talk to um, John Radcliffe, DNI. Goes to the national security of America, and I will always put them first. All right? And if you want to talk about Swalwell, let's talk about Swalwell, because you have not had the briefing that I had. I had the briefing, and Nancy Pelosi had the briefing from the FBI. The FBI never came before this Congress to tell the leadership of this Congress that Eric Swalwell had a problem with a Chinese spy until he served on intel. So it wasn't just us who were concerned about it. The FBI was concerned about putting a member of Congress on the intel committee that has the rights to see things that others don't because of his knowledge and relationship with a Chinese spy. They brought it to the works of the leaders. I've got that briefing. So I do not believe he should sit on there that committee. And I believe there's 200 other Democrats that can serve on that committee. So this has nothing to do with Santos. Santos is not on the Intel Committee. But you know what? Those voters elected Shift, even though he lied. Those voters elected Swalwell, even though he lied to the American public too. So you know what? I'll respect his voters too, and they'll serve on committees. But they will not serve on a place that has national security reverence because integrity matters to me. That's the answer to your question.
0: Boom. mic drop. Now it's interesting. The gateway pundit has a piece up that I had also taken note of talking about representatives Bobert, Gosar and green having been appointed to the house oversight committee by Kevin McCarthy. All three were stripped of their committee assignments in 2021 over their political views, not because they were compromised in any way by Chinese spies, for instance, not because they had lied to the American people, but because they hold different political views than Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats. Shocking, I know. Shocking that they would be Republicans and hold to different prescriptions, assessments. They would have different potential solutions for what they see as being the problems that face the United States of America, Pelosi played politics and removed them from all committee assignments. And McCarthy's not doing that with Swalwell and with Schiff, but he is entirely right. And this is a very measured and very restrained move. I think it's very wise for him to say, I'm going to kick them off of the intel committee because they are not trustworthy. They are not trustworthy to be handling America's National Secrets, American Intel, and then, as in the case of Schiff, coming out and lying, saying things that they know to be demonstrably false so that Joe Biden can win the presidency in 2020, lying about Hunter Biden's laptop scandal, which at least strongly suggests that the Biden family has been engaged in organized crime at a global scale for decades, taking money from China, taking money from Russia, even as they are, through Joe Biden, in a primo spot to influence U.S. foreign policy, whether to restrain it or whether to point it in certain favorable directions. Schiff claimed that the Hunter Biden laptop was Russian disinformation. He knew otherwise. He lied so that Democrats could win in 2020. And yet he was left in place and Swalwell, the FBI, the FBI is not really known for their objectivity here lately, but the FBI even threw up a red flag on Swalwell because he had been intimate, had an intimate relationship with a actual Chinese spy. And Pelosi left him on because it was politics. She removed Bobert, Taylor, Green and Gossard from all committee assignments because they disagreed with her politically. She left Schiff and Swalwell in place because they would further her political agenda. But McCarthy is doing the right thing. He's exactly right. And with respect, his response to the reporter, his response is stern enough, but measured enough. Very, very good. This is a very good look. Good call. And oh, by the way, the Penn Biden Center, you may have heard about where classified documents that current president Joe Biden did not keep and put away in a legal way, just left drifting around the Penn Biden Center. According to some reporting by Tim Pierce over the Daily Wire, recently held a event Encouraging closer U.S.-China ties. China has invested in, donated to this Penn Biden Center. That's fishy. That's concerning. Does that potentially represent a conflict of interest? Is this potentially China buying access to Joe Biden and to the classified documents which were found at said center? That remains to be seen, but it certainly looks like it. It certainly does look suspicious. It certainly does look like it. So I hope that House Republicans pursue this. And I hope that House Democrats and independents similarly put America's national security ahead of Joe Biden's job security or Democrats' re-election chances in 2024. I really do hope that the Democrats and the Republicans and the independents will think first and foremost about yours and my safety over and against the very real potential for World War III breaking out in relation to Taiwan, in relation to the business with Russia and Ukraine. I really do hope that they alike will put our safety and security ahead of Joe Biden's job security, the re-election Chances of Democrats. But moving on, Joel Abbott shared a tweet from Elijah Schaefer regarding a angry woman who talks about a customer coming in and guessing correctly (laughs) what her preferred pronouns are. And I'm going to play the audio for you, and then I will explain briefly why this is funny or why it's sad i don't know if it's more sad or more funny but either way take a listen this person just came into the bar and said hey what are your pronouns you kind of look like a they them and
1: (laughs) um i hated that they were right
0: Mm -mm. so because you're only getting the audio you're not getting The visual, this woman has a very hack job kind of haircut. It is not uh, an attractive haircut. In fact, it's not accidental that it is a very chopped up haircut. And it looks like what happens when one of my kids gets a hold of the scissors or the clippers and just goes to town. And then my wife has to go to work fixing What they've done (laughs) this has happened a few times with our boys in particular only once that i remember with our daughter but it's easier to hide with our daughter if it's just a little clip here some layering and a very light touch will typically straighten out anything that goes awry with evelyn's hair but our boys there's been a time or two where they have needed to just get completely shaved bald because they uh they 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 got into the scissors, they got into the clippers, and they messed up their hair. The idea that some people do that on purpose, because that's the fashion, because it's a fashion statement, uh, it's it's odd to me. It's an odd life choice. But this woman is also in possession of a nose ring and does not look particularly healthy or happy, and she posts this very short, twelve-second video complaining, or I don't I don't quite know what she means when she says I hate that they were right. I, I don't know Elijah Schaefer and Joel Abbott over here at Not to the Be. They might have been guessing wrong, uh, presuming that she hated that they were right because she wanted to yell at them. She wanted to be angry, but she didn't have an excuse to be angry with them. That's what their presumption is. But maybe she hates that they were right. This customer, this man, he, not they, them, he, he guessed correctly what her preferred pronouns are and said, you look like a they, them. Now, why would she hate that? Well, for one, it might be because she looks like a they, them. She looks like She's androgynous, and like she has embraced ugliness and what is grotesque, she might be sad that she's actually achieved what it was that she thought she wanted, and she's still unhappy. She might be angry that she thought this was going to bring her happiness, and it hasn't. You know, it's reminding me of that clip I played for you a few episodes ago of a teacher who says she is the political unrest in her 10th grade class that she teaches, And how she confused a whole public school classroom of 10th graders by announcing that she answers to all pronouns. You can't misgender me because I answer to all pronouns. Call me whatever you like. Just don't call me late for dinner. Purple hair. But wait a second. What if you don't get the reaction that you were wanting to get? This isn't actually about you living your truth. This is about you bullying other people. And making them feel uncomfortable and just enjoying the disruption that it causes. This is actually a very selfish, a very rude, a very destructive thing. Not because you're actually doing anything against objective femininity or objective masculinity, but you are damaging the potential relationships that you would have with the people that you are intentionally making uncomfortable. To what good end are you making these people uncomfortable? What actual change that is beneficial is going to come from you making them uncomfortable? Now, can it be the case that making people uncomfortable can be to a good purpose? Yes. Yes, it can. And we read that in Acts chapter three and four, when Peter and John are told to not speak in, preach in, act in the name of Jesus anymore. Because it makes the high priestly, chief priestly family uncomfortable. But it also makes them uncomfortable that upwards of 5,000 people have just come to faith and believed in Jesus Christ after seeing a lame man made whole and perfectly healthy again for the first time. 40 years old, and he's able to walk. And they all recognize him. He's been sitting there at the gate for years The powers that be, the status quo, feel really uncomfortable when Peter and John start publicly pointing the finger at them and saying, you crucified our Lord, the author of life. So boldness in making other people uncomfortable, even in the face of threats, it can be to a good purpose, it can be to a good end, but also it can just be random chaos and selfishness and folly and an abomination. And this whole they-them business is not beneficial. It's not beneficial to the individual living out this delusion. It's not beneficial to the people who are being bullied. It's just simply chaos and disruption and destruction. Joseph McKinnon over at TheBlaze.com has a piece up, some reporting from yesterday. There's a war going on. Jeremy Clarkson of Top Gear calls out the radical left's attack on normalcy, and free speech. And this is a fitting follow-up to the video we just watched. To quote the article, Jeremy Clarkson of Top Gear fame faces further risk of cancellation over a December column in which he ridiculed former actress Meghan Markle. It appears he has decided to go out swinging, although his target is of much greater significance this time around. The 62-year-old Britain penned an opinion piece over the weekend in the Sunday Times concerning his son's recent claim there's a war going on. The war his son was referencing was not that waged by Russia against Ukraine, but the one allegedly afoot in the United Kingdom in fields and streets, hills and landing grounds previously thought unconquered the apparent enemy, the radical left keen to unstitch and burn the fabric of Britain. And that's a direct quote, unstitch and burn the fabric of Britain. Continuing on with McKinnon's reporting, unlike militant socialists of old, Clarkson named British trade unionist Arthur Scargill as an example. The leftists on the front lines today allegedly hide, quote, in the impenetrable shadow of anonymity, inventing new rules to ensnare anyone and everyone they deem to be unworthy, end quote. Here's another quote. When was the last time you saw a fictional police force hunting a gang of Muslim extremists? It's always the far right. Make a joke about she, him pronouns, or Greta Thunberg, and they'll blow a piece of tumbleweed across the stage. Mm. Moving on. Speaking of, and on that, on that note, in that vein here in the U.S., Joe Scarborough, MSNBC host quickly walks back praise for pro-life Tony Dungy after being informed of controversial tweet. There's some reporting from yesterday by Chris Enlow over at the blaze talking through how initially Joe Scarborough had Tony Dungy's back for communicating his views, sticking to his guns, then was informed about a problematic tweet and decided to change his tune. What was the problematic tweet? What was said? What was walked back? Take a listen for yourself.
2: And, and, and I've offended half of the audience here that are watching Morning Joe this morning. Let me go ahead and offend the other half. Right. I'll That's give good. a great example that has to do with NFL. Tony Dungy, great former coach uh, but he, and great analysis, analyst. Uh, he decided to go to the pro-life march in Washington. Uh, there were columns written about him comparing, uh, you know, uh, everybody at the pro-life march to QAnon, to, to truthers, to January 6 types. No, Tony Dungy, uh, he's, he's talked about his beliefs, he's talked about his faith, and he's pro-life. 40% of Americans, according to the latest Gallup poll, are pro-life. Do we push him to the side of the conversation or do we figure out a way to let a guy uh, have his own beliefs that 40% of Americans have as well and still be on TV without catching a lot of crap because he decides he wants to go to a pro-life march?
0: Okay, so that's what Joe Scarborough had to say before (laughs) he was informed about Tony Dungy's uh, problematic tweet. The thing that he tweeted out that you didn't know, you didn't know he tweeted this. Here's Joe Scarborough after he finds out, trying to walk that back, that defensive, Tony Dungy.
2: We have to uh, admit when we make mistakes. Well, I, 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 let's just say when I talked about Tony Dungy, uh, it was incomplete. I had read, read tweets about how he had been attacked for going to the pro-life march, but also uh, Alex just sent me this, Tony Dungy apologizes after spreading debunked anti-transgender conspiracy theory. So there's uh, two sides to that story or actually multiple stories this weekend about Tony Dungy. So let me put that out there. Obviously not something we want to encourage at all. The second thing though.
0: Okay, so now what were the supposed conspiracy theories that Tony Dungy was peddling in his tweets? Uh, Frankly, one, I don't believe MSNBC. <laughs> I don't believe whoever is operating behind the scenes and reporting this stuff to passing along the info to Joe Scarborough. I don't trust them. I would trust Tony Dungy more than I would trust them in the way that they're characterizing this. But according to the reporting at The Blaze I, Chris Enlow here, this all comes back to Tony Dungy saying, in criticism of transgender bathroom policies in American public schools that some schools are putting in litter boxes because students might identify as cats, right? If you can say that you're transgender, why not be trans species and say, I identify as a cat. My cat self, here are my pronouns. Do I look like a cat to you, boy? (laughs) Did Tony Dungy actually think that litter boxes are being installed in American public schools? I don't know. Frankly, I don't care. The bigger scandal here is not that Tony Dungy would say such a thing. The bigger scandal here is that we've got boys using the restrooms and locker rooms and showers with girls. So long as they say, I feel like I'm actually a girl. My my, my preferred pronouns are such and such. And oh, by the way, can I just point out that if we were going to be consistent here and not just throw all the boys and girls together and be totally androgynous, say that gender doesn't matter to us anymore. I mean, how many genders are there? How many? Do we need to have that many sets of bathrooms? Do we need to have the boys' locker room, the girls' locker room, and the they-them locker room? Do we need to have a bathroom for lesbians and bisexuals and gays and transgendered and queer? and soon to be the pedophiles do we need to have do we do we need to have bathrooms for every possible combination of perversion if we deny that there is any such thing as sexual morality based on god's word god's design general revelation would teach us that that's a bad idea the practical consequences will teach us soon enough that that's a bad idea but god's word Tells us that that's an abomination to him. And there's just no excusing the witch hunt mentality that goes after celebrities and pressures them to get in line or shut up or be destroyed. There's no excusing that. That's the bigger scandal here. Period. But moving on, before we run out of time, briefly, I'll pass along a little bit of quipping from Senator Kennedy, Republican from Louisiana, talking about how bad the debt default as we come up against the debt ceiling here in the United States of America, how bad could that debt default be for the US? Ben Zeisloft over the Daily Wire reporting, Google could lay off up to 25 members of Congress. Ooh, ouch, ouch, that'll leave a mark. That (laughs) Uh, you got to love Senator Kennedy. But in all seriousness, the Justice Department just announced yesterday that they are suing, along with several U.S. states, they're suing Google for alleged digital advertising monopoly. Kind of a big deal. Who knows where that goes? But Google is too big. YouTube is too big. Facebook is too big. Twitter, I'm not going to say is too big, but when competitors can't come up and challenge these big tech giants because they have an agreement amongst themselves to swat down meaningful competition, well then, these companies are too big and that's not free market capitalism. And I do think that the government needs to get involved because this is the public square. It's not just a private company, particularly when increasingly we find out that the government, unelected bureaucrats in our intelligence agencies and yes, even congressmen like Adam Schiff send their staffers to contact folks at these big tech companies and say, we don't like X, Y, and Z because it looks bad for our candidate or for our policies or for what we want to accomplish in government we don't want people knowing that we don't want people seeing that we don't want people thinking that we don't want people saying x y and z shut them up well then these are no longer private companies they are an extension of they are subcontractors for the united states government and the u.s government needs to actually abide by the united states constitution Moving on. Leaders of Florida's college system vow not to fund or support critical race theory. Some reporting by Patricia Tolson over at the Epoch Times. As you may know, Project Veritas recently sat down with a textbook salesman in the state of Georgia who candidly bragged, because he didn't realize he was being taped in secret, candidly bragged that as long as you don't call it critical race theory, You can teach critical race theory in the public schools, and the Republicans who think that they've actually done anything meaningful to stop us from teaching CRT to Georgia youth by banning critical race theory, they're idiots. Hopefully, Florida pays closer attention. Hopefully, Georgia pays closer attention, but Republicans across the U.S. would do well to just get their kids out of the public schools. You want conservatism to win. The American public education system is going to have to be torn down, abolished, abolish the IRS. Great idea. Also abolish the department of education. The federal government does not need to be calling the shots with regards to education in the U S they've been doing a terrible job. I give them an F they failed except in promoting socialism, socialization. How about socialism? That's what we're getting. These kids are antisocial thinking that it's a good time to change their pronouns, butcher their hair, just to make you uncomfortable. And if it doesn't work, well, then they're upset. And they hate that. They hate that that didn't work. Republicans, conservatives, Christians in the U.S. need to get their kids out of the public schools. And they need to support school choice and school vouchers. And your tax dollars should follow your child home, if you want to homeschool them, or to a private school or a charter school. You should be able to hire a private tutor for your child if you want to with those tax dollars that shouldn't be going to the public schools. Your money would go so much farther if we had school choice or just get the government entirely out of education, full stop. But just a couple more news items here. One, the Daily Wire reports that the U.S. is moving towards delivering Abrams tanks to Ukraine. Germany is also going to send tanks. What was I saying about us being on the verge of World War III? This is a very concerning development. I am very concerned about it. But then again, I've been saying for years that I don't think war with China and Russia and North Korea and Iran is avoidable. I think it's just a question of time. We should not be going into such a war with the people that we have in charge here in the West Here in America and in Europe. They are absolutely exploiting the crisis and I think causing it in the first place so that they can exploit it, create the problem, then you can put forward the solution, ram through the solution. But one last current events item this from, again, Joseph McKinnon over at The Blaze. Bugs to be used in bread, beer, and various other items intended for the general population, courtesy of the EU. So if you take a trip to Europe and you're eating at a restaurant, you order pasta, you order a baguette, wash it down with a pint, you may well be eating ground-up bugs that are now going to be mixed in. Desperate times call for desperate measures, except The people who are pushing this and trying to normalize this, they're absolutely doing it as part of a larger push for world domination, supposedly to combat climate change, or to combat Russian aggression in Ukraine, or before that, to combat COVID. It's all about power for the people who, on the left, want global communism. It's all about power for them. I say, nein, yet. No. No, thank you. No, thank you. I'm not interested in being forced to eat bugs because that's supposedly going to be less resource intensive. You'll use less water. You'll use less land. You'll admit less carbon emissions that way. No. No, thank you. But all of this brings us to the main topic of this podcast episode, which is The Great Reset by Mark Morano. This is the fifth book I've read so far this year. I'm averaging now one every five days. I don't know that that's going to keep up as we go into the year. I've got some long books that I want to read. I've got some long books that I've carried forward into 2023 from 2022 that are not going to be finished in five days. But thus far, I've read Silas Marner by George Eliot which was a pseudonym, by the way, Marianne Bowens, I believe was her real name. A Lady's Life in the Rocky Mountains by Isabella L. Bird. It's Good to Be a Man, Tartuffe, and now The Great Reset, Global Elites and the Permanent Lockdown by Mark Murano. Now, who is Mark Murano? I wasn't familiar, but apparently he's kind of a big deal over at a website called Climate Depot. Dot com. And how I know in part that he's kind of a big deal is that he did an interview with Allie Beth Stuckey. I like her. She's over at the Blaze. Sweet gal. But her interviewing him is not how I know that he's a big deal. Her interviewing him and then needing to edit the video of their interview in order for it to stay on YouTube. That's how I know that he's kind of a big deal. And that he is saying some dangerous things for the powers that be in big tech, in big government, in the episode description on YouTube from two months ago. Note, portions of this video podcast have been edited to comply with YouTube community guidelines. For the full uncensored video, watch at theblazetv.com or listen to the audio version anywhere you get your podcasts. So that is to say that he was asked some questions and gave some answers in the course of their at least 41 minute and 32 second interview. YouTube flagged it and Allie Beth Stuckey had to say, okay, we'll filter that stuff out for the version that stays up on YouTube. There, you happy? And so far, so far, so good. It's staying up. But I read this book, The Great Reset on a recommendation from my cousin. Micah Hershberger, who recommended recommended it to me last year, along with a few other works concerning what's going on right now politically. Where are we going? What might come of cryptocurrency and digital wallets and vaccine passports and Web 3.0? What might come of generative AI? and decentralized finance. Well, for us to know the answer to that question, we really do need people like Mark Murano going back, doing the digging, looking at the dates, the timeline of events, organizing that info, reminding us. So you might say, oh, why would I read something about what just happened with COVID lockdowns or how COVID lockdowns are going to turn into something very similar to combat climate change. Why why would I read something upsetting like that? I already know that. You're not changing my mind. You're preaching to the choir. It's just upsetting. I don't want to be upset. And I hear you, right? I hear you. I feel the same way. And the reason why I feel the same way, but yet still read the book, and I'm now telling you about it, is because if we think that it's uncomfortable to read about these things, to talk about these things. How much more uncomfortable is it going to be when what's being documented here continues on unopposed and catches us off guard? We may know what has already happened or have a pretty good idea pretty strong suspicions that this is all of a piece. This is all a coordinated push to bring about a one world government to impose totalitarianism and communism on us. We may suspect that we may even be convinced of that, but what has already happened is distinct from what will happen. I am not a fatalist in the sense that I know a lot of people to be fatalists. Like my good friend, JP Chavez who lives two houses down has pointed out, God may know what he has predestined And he may tell us, in general terms, what will be. He knows. The mind of God knows what will happen. And the will of God will either actively guide and direct or put a stop to whatever pleases God to allow or to stop. But we don't know in the particulars. We know that God wins. We know that those who are in Christ have eternal life and will be saved, but we don't know the timing of the second coming of Christ. That is to say, as well, that we don't know when the fulfillment of these prophecies really truly tells us when the second of the, the second coming of Christ is going to be. we don't know that. Now you can read, there's a blessing to be had from reading the book of Revelation, the Book of Daniel in the Old Testament. There's a blessing promised, if we read and meditate on what is written for us to know, but how would it be if we just said, that's it, I give up? Where was that written? Where, where where, was that written that we are supposed to give up, that we are supposed to throw in the towel, that we are supposed to be fatalists? Where was that written? I must have missed that part. I don't find that in my Bible. I don't find that as a husband, as a father, as a provider, as a protector, as a man, as a son, as a brother, as a neighbor, I don't find that bad people doing bad things somehow proves that we should throw in the towel. And kudos to Mark Morano for doing the hard work and the diligent work to compile quotes and timeline information, and in their own words to tell us what the people behind the COVID lockdowns and the mask mandates and the vaccine mandates and the vaccine passport business have said they want to do next. Kudos to Mark Morano for telling us how they framed the whole COVID business in relation to climate change you know the covid hysteria that's died down by and large but the biggest stressors the biggest dangers in the covid hysteria were not directly related to covid but rather the response to covid the unpersoning of anyone who dared to question the lockdowns the mandates the authoritarian repressive, totalitarian measures that were forced on us, the unpersoning of those who dared to challenge untrue statements, faulty premises, unconstitutional proposals, unjust laws, unfair policies, the unpersoning, that is not just a thing of the past because People have calmed down by and large about COVID. That unpersoning that the left got a taste of, they're going to apply, they are applying with regards to climate change, with regards to their push to take over the economy, to amend it, to redistribute all of our wealth. Part of the reason why money is being printed with no concern at all for the devaluation of currency. Yes, the Fed is raising interest rates, and they say that they're trying to get inflation under, under control. They're not trying to get inflation under control. They're trying to get your ability to borrow under control, but the government is still spending money, like Al Gore was saying at the World Economic Forum in the clip I played for you yesterday. The Inflation Reduction Act is not first and foremost about reducing inflation. It's first and foremost the Green New Deal. It's first and foremost a climate change bill, Omnibus. And as such, it's not a bug, no pun intended with regards to the cricket powder, but it's not a bug, it's a feature that we will have a harder time buying a home, buying a vehicle, keeping the lights on, using electricity, heating our homes, cooking our food, buying food, traveling. The permanent lockdown, as he calls it, global elites and the permanent lockdown. It's a ratchet strap. Once surrendered, our liberties will be very hard to get back. And the fatalists will say, we're not going to get them back. And maybe they're right. Maybe they're wrong. We'll see. I do not despair. I do not mourn as those who have no hope. Why is that? because there's a God in heaven, because Christ is king, because he works all things to the good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Moreover, Proverbs says that in all toil there is a profit, but mere talk tends only to poverty. And I must believe that if we do not grow weary in doing what is good, and if our talk is to the end of working together, particularly as Christians, but even not just Christians, those who together want to seek the welfare of the city, even just according to general revelation. If our talk is toward the end of coordinating our efforts, pooling resources, brainstorming, well, that's good if we can encourage one another. That's good. Mere talk tends only to poverty. That doesn't mean that talk is a waste of time. If you're going to make decisions with others towards a shared goal, a common purpose, you have to be able to communicate about what would be a good shared goal. And quite frankly, if the big government types, the leftists, uh, globalists, the communists, the climate change hysteria folks, if they are saying that all of their solutions are at a global level and they hold some really good cards in that regard, well, then maybe the best response is the localist response. Instead of globalism, let's go with localism and start with the individual, with the family, with the local church, with the local community, and work your way out and up. Jeremiah the prophet says in the 29th chapter of the Old Testament book of Jeremiah that the word of the Lord is to the exiles in Babylon. Seek the welfare of the city to which Yahweh your God has brought you in your exile, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. That does not mean only if the city is full of Christians, people who already know Jesus. It does not mean seek the welfare of the city to which Yahweh your God has brought you as your final destination, and think of it that way, but in your exile. If we are exiles, which Peter talks about Christians being In the New Testament, if we are exiles, well, then I think a parallel can be drawn and we know that God's character hasn't changed. And we can say, even if we don't agree in all of the particulars, theologically, with people who say, let's work together, if it doesn't conflict, if it doesn't present a mutually exclusive dilemma of the kind that Peter and John are speaking to when they say, we must obey God rather than men. Then, not instead of sharing the gospel, but actually because we believe the good news, we hold to the lordship of Christ, the conquering king of kings for whom the nations are an inheritance. His enemies will be made his footstool, and we do well to keep that in mind so that we don't grow weary in doing what is good. We're not saved by works, but by golly, God has works prepared for us to walk in, good works. He prepared those good works for us to walk in from before the foundation of the world by his grace, in light of his word, through the power of his spirit. We can and we ought to walk in them with boldness, with humility, trusting to the creator of all mankind, come what may, I have to believe, I must believe, I will continue to believe that will win somehow, some way, because God says, God says that there's a blessing in that. But that's all the time I've got for this episode. I got to run as always. Thank you for listening until next time check out The Great Reset by Mark Morano. Keep the faith. God bless.